Section 13 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 3. Edited by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Rudd. The Burning of Rome under Nero, A.D. 64. By Tacitus. There followed a dreadful disaster. Whether fortuitously, or by the wicked contrivance of the prince, is not determined, for both are asserted by historians. But of all the calamities which ever befell this city from the rage of fire, this was the most terrible and severe. It broke out in that part of the circus which is contiguous to Mounts Palatine and Celius, where, by reason of shops in which were kept such goods as minister element to fire, the moment it commenced it acquired strength, and being accelerated by the wind, it spread at once through the whole extent of the circus, for neither were the houses secured by enclosures, nor the temples environed with walls, nor was there any other obstacle to intercept its progress. But the flame, spreading every way impetuously, invaded first the lower regions of the city, then mounted to the higher, then again ravaging the lower. It baffled every effort to extinguish it, by the rapidity of its destructive course, and from the liability of the city to conflagration, in consequence of the narrow and intricate alleys and the irregularity of the streets in ancient rome add to this the wailings of terrified women the infirm condition of the aged and the helplessness of childhood such as strove to provide for themselves and those who laboured to assist others these dragging the feeble those waiting for them some hurrying others lingering altogether created a scene of universal confusion and embarrassment, and while they looked back upon the danger in their rear, they often found themselves beset before and on their sides, or, if they had escaped into the quarters adjoining, these two were already seized by the devouring flames. Even the parts which they believed remote and exempt were found to be in the same distress. At last, not knowing what to shun or where to seek sanctuary, they crowded the streets and lay along in the open fields. Some, from the loss of their whole substance, even the means of their daily sustenance, others, from affection for their relations whom they had not been able to snatch from the flames, suffered themselves to perish in them, though they had opportunity to escape. Neither dared any man offered to check the fire, so repeated were the menaces of many who forbade to extinguish it, and because others openly threw firebrands with loud declarations that they had one who authorized them, whether they did it that they might plunder with the less restraint, or in consequence of orders given. Nero, who was at that juncture sojourning at Antium, did not return to the city till the fire approached that quarter of his house which connected the palace with the gardens of Messinus. Nor could it, however, be prevented from devouring the house and palace and everything around. 
but for the relief of the people thus destitute and driven from their dwellings he opened the field of mars and the monumental edifices erected by agrippa and even his own gardens he likewise reared temporary houses for the reception of the forlorn multitude and from ostia and the neighboring cities were brought up the river household necessaries and the price of grain was reduced to three sesterces the measure all which proceedings though of a popular character were thrown away because a rumour had become universally current that at the very time when the city was in flames nero going on the stage of his private theatre sang the destruction of troy assimilating the present disaster to that catastrophe of ancient times at length on the sixth day the conflagration was stayed at the foot of esquilier by pulling down an immense quantity of buildings so that an open space and as it were void air might check the raging element by breaking the continuity but ere the consternation had subsided the fire broke out afresh with no little violence but in regions more spacious and therefore with less destruction of human life but more extensive havoc was made of the temples and the porticos dedicated to amusement this conflagration too was the subject of more censorious remark as it arose in the emilian possessions of tigellinus and nero seemed to aim at the glory of building a new city and calling it by his own name for of the fourteen sections into which rome is divided four were still standing entire three were levelled with the ground and in the seven others there remained only here and there a few remnants of houses shattered and half consumed it were no very easy task to recount the number of tenements and temples which were lost but the following most venerable for antiquity and sanctity were consumed that dedicated by servius tullius to the moon the temple and great altar consecrated by evander the arcadian to hercules while present the chapel vowed by romulus to jupiter stator the palace of numa with the temple of vesta and in it the tutelar gods of rome moreover the treasures accumulated by so many victories the beautiful productions of greek artists ancient writings of authors celebrated for genius and till then preserved entire were consumed and though great was the beauty of the city in its renovated form the older inhabitants remembered many decorations of the ancient which could not be replaced in the modern city there were some who remarked that the commencement of this fire showed itself on the fourteenth before the calends of july the day in which the Senon set fire to the captured city. Others carried their investigation so far as to determine that an equal number of years, months, and days intervened between the two fires. To proceed, Nero appropriated to his own purposes the ruins of his country, and founded upon them a palace, in which the old-fashioned and, in those luxurious times, common ornaments of gold and precious stones were not so much the object of attraction as lands and lakes in one part woods like vast deserts in another part 
open spaces and expansive prospects. The projectors and superintendents of this plan were Severus and Seller, men of such ingenuity and daring enterprise as to attempt to conquer by art the obstacles of nature and fool away the treasures of the prince. They had even undertaken to sink a navigable canal from the lake of Vernus to the mouth of the Tiber, over an arid shore or through opposing mountains. Nor, indeed, does there occur anything of a humid nature for supplying water except the Pomptine marshes. The rest is either craggy rock or parched soil. And had it even been possible to break through these obstructions, the toil had been intolerable and disproportioned to the object. Nero, however, who longed to achieve things that exceeded credibility, exerted all his might to perforate the mountains adjoining to Avernus, and to this day there remain traces of his abortive project. But the rest of the old site, not occupied by his palace, was laid out, not as after the Gallic fire, without discrimination and regularity, but with the lines of streets measured out, broad spaces left for transit, the height of the buildings limited, open areas left, and porticos added to protect the front of the clustered dwellings. These porticos Nero engaged to rear at his own expense, and then to deliver to each proprietor the areas about them cleared. He, moreover, proposed rewards proportioned to every man's rank and private substance, and fixed a day within which, if their houses, single and clustered, were finished, they should receive them. He appointed the marshes of Ostia for a receptacle of the rubbish, and that the vessels which had conveyed grain up the Tiber should return laden with rubbish, that the buildings themselves should be raised a certain portion of their height without beams, and arched with stone from the quarries of Gabii or Alba, that stone being proof against fire, that over the water springs, which had been improperly intercepted by private individuals, overseers should be placed, to provide for their flowing in greater abundance, and in a greater number of places, for the supply of the public, that every housekeeper should have in his yard means for extinguishing fire. Neither should there be party walls, but every house should be enclosed by its own walls. These regulations, which were favorably received, in consideration of their utility, were also a source of beauty to the new city. Yet, some there were who believed that the ancient form was more conducive to health, as from the narrowness of the streets and the height of the buildings, the rays of the sun were more excluded, whereas now the spacious breadth of the streets, without any shade to protect it, was more intensely heated in warm weather. Such were the provisions made by human councils. The gods were next addressed with expiations, and recourse had to the Sibyl's books. By admonition from them, to Vulcan, Ceres, and Proserpina, supplicatory sacrifices were made, and Juno propitiated by the matrons. First in the capital, then upon the nearest shore, where, by water drawn from the sea, the temple and image of the goddess were besprinkled, 
the ceremony of placing the goddess in her sacred chair and her vigil were celebrated by ladies who had husbands but not all the relief that could come from men not all the bounties that the prince could bestow nor all the atonements which could be presented to the gods availed to relieve nero from the infamy of being believed to have ordered the conflagration hence to suppress the rumour he falsely charged with the guilt and punished with the most exquisite tortures the persons commonly called christians who were hated for their enormities christus the founder of that name was put to death as a criminal by pontius pilate procurator of judea in the reign of tiberius but the pernicious superstition repressed for a time broke out again not only through judea where the mischief originated but through the city of rome also whither all things horrible and disgraceful flow from all quarters as to a common receptacle and where they are encouraged accordingly first those were seized who confessed they were christians next on their information a vast multitude were convicted not so much on the charge of burning the city as of hating the human race and in their deaths they were also made the subjects of sport for they were covered with the hides of wild beasts and worried to death by dogs or nailed to crosses or set fire to and when day declined burned to serve for nocturnal lights nero offered his own gardens for that spectacle and exhibited a circensian game indiscriminately mingling with the common people in the habit of a charioteer or else standing in his chariot whence a feeling of compassion arose toward the sufferers though guilty and deserving to be made examples of by capital punishment because they seemed not to be cut off for the public good but victims to the ferocity of one man in the meantime in order to supply money all italy was pillaged the provinces ruined both the people in alliance with us and the states which are called free even the gods were not exempt from plunder on this occasion their temples in the city being despoiled and all the gold conveyed away which the roman people in every age either in gratitude for triumphs or in fulfilment of vows had consecrated in times of prosperity or in seasons of dismay through greece and asia indeed the gifts and oblations and even the statues of the deities were carried off end of section thirteen